Episode 8, The Last Jedi. The First Order reigns. Having decimated the peaceful Republic, Supreme Leader Snoke now deploys his merciless legions to seize military control of the galaxy. Only General Leia Organa's band of resistance fighters stand against the rising tyranny, certain that Jedi Master Luke Skywalker will return and restore a spark of hope to the fight. But the resistance has been exposed. As the First Order speeds toward the Rebel base, the brave heroes mount a desperate escape. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Sleeping Giant Podcast. I am your host, Grayson Parker Marcotte, and I'd like to say thank you for joining me once more. The Star Wars specials continue with this, the fifth episode of the season, wherein we'll be discussing Ryan Johnson's 2017 Star Wars saga installment, The Last Jedi. Look, by this time I think we can all agree that no matter where you stand in your love for Star Wars, The Last Jedi made most folks feel some type of way. So rather than get into all that right here and now, join my brother William Marcotte and me as we get into a good handful of specifics. Y'all go ahead and get comfy, because we are about to begin. Maybe just, maybe just after that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Will, how are you, anyway? I'm all right. I, uh, you know, just cruising along, uh, keeping I mean, a- apart from the aforementioned uh, work-related jiggery-pockery. Oh, that, yeah. Well, also, the world ended last year, and we've just kind of been trucking mm. along. Um, Limping along mm-hmm. might be a, a better way to describe that. Well, um, how, I mean, like, are you making it okay? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, just, you know, I just don't go outside anymore yeah um but i'm trying to you know stay active stay fit uh even while you know walking to my shed where my weights are and then back and then riding an exercise bike and that being about it yeah and you're streaming on twitch while you do so is that uh yeah so not every time so like when i first wake up in the morning i don't because i'm bleary eyed and i'm not gonna be able to you know be on uh Mm -hmm. for a twitch stream I guess I could, like, because I work with people from around the world, and I, like, if any of them want to watch, you know, it's going to be the middle of the night. Like, I've got friends in Hong Kong. If I tell them, hey, I started streaming, oh, I start, like, at, like, 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, they're going to be like, well, great, I will have maybe woken up by then. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's so weird. I think in the past I would have been like, who the fuck do you know in Hong Kong? But then I realized that I've got a a good handful of friends that live uh, across the globe. I mean, my best friend lives in Wales, so it's uh, like, what? Um, Yeah, the internet, man. It's a powerful tool. Yeah, it is. It's a wide world. It's for more than porn. Um, (laughs) So he... he, I know he's experiencing some lockdown fun mm. since he lives in the UK. Uh, and he actually came down, he, he came down with COVID-19 and uh, he got sick, tested positive, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, lost his taste, lost his smell, a lot of fatigue. I think he's finally on the up and up and, and trying to get to get to working out again and, and being healthy. Gotcha. Hey, quick aside. Uh, did he like um, The Last Jedi by chance? Uh, I think so. Yeah, um, well, it sounds sounds like his sense of taste was already gone. Then, well, oh, <laughs> sorry, I could no. not resist. Sorry, as Luke. soon as you said that. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh... Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's a good joke, but 
you know he's he's a pretty star wars positive guy mm. and and that's you know that's cool that's one of the reasons i enjoy uh talking with him you know because yeah. he, he finds something to love uh about all of them and and truth be told he he taught me a lot about you know uh finding something to love and and all of Star Wars, which I totally do. And, and this movie in particular is one of those, probably um, the best example of, of a movie that I appreciate and have a love for. Mm-hmm. But also, um, you know, that love is tempered with some, <laughs> some serious, I don't want to say issues, but there are some lines that I've drawn that, that it crosses and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I'm not freaked out about it like a lot of people seem to be, but I'm just like, yeah, you know, that did not hit for me, and mm-hmm. it makes it hard for me to like really embrace the Last Jedi. I completely um, understand. I think you and I actually we recorded a Last Jedi specul- speculation episode mm. shortly before it came out, and yeah. boy, were we wrong! About <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say stuff. like we we talked about those like force. Uh, explorations of the force and things that they could have done mm-hmm. that really interesting uh didn't didn't really uh happen no um so a little a little i guess background if you will about the last jedi so this movie it, it picks up episode eight the last jedi picks up pretty much right after um the Force Awakens mm-hmm. ends. There was the attack on Starkiller Base and the, the subsequent destruction of Starkiller Base. Mm-hmm. And that sort of... It, it, it exposed the resistance and then that therefore put the uh, the First Order all up in their business. Mm-hmm. So it, they, they struck a mighty blow, but in, in so doing, uh, they revealed their, their location and presence, which was maybe not so good for them. Right. Um, so, so that's kind of the, the back ground of uh of the last jedi this movie came out in was it 2017 um oh was it so yeah yeah so uh this was oh gosh so it was written and directed by ryan johnson and uh i don't think there was a co-writing credit i think this was all johnson all ryan johnson Johnson. (laughs) and uh and yeah, so again, you know, uh, produced by Kathleen Kennedy and uh, Ron Bergman. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's. I I want to I want to, <laughs> yeah. Let's get the let's get the the nonsense out of the way first. Sure. What do you say? Okay. Okay. So, um, I I think the nonsense is that um, the nonsense is that Ryan Johnson ruined Star Wars. I don't know how you feel about that. I don't feel like that's an accurate statement. So I, I think that that Star Wars, what it was when it was three movies was already big. And then when it was six movies, it was humongous. And then now that it, when it reached the point of The Last Jedi, it was monumental, a colossus in, in popular culture. So... I while I I have problems with the Last Jedi, I'd be hard pressed to say that Ryan Johnson ruined Star Wars by marring a sm- relatively small piece of that entire franchise. Does that make sense? 
Uh, and it, yes, it does, and it sounds very reasonable to me. Oh, gosh. Sorry. Ah, yeah, Ryan Johnson <laughs> bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, the basic premise that we have here, like what, what Ryan Johnson has given us in a Star Wars film is a story of, it's a story of maintaining hope, mm-hmm. even though it is at its closest point of being snuffed out. Um, it is a story about finding your own strength and not necessarily relying on your lineage or any sort mm-hmm. of uh, any sort of influence of, of the great warriors or leaders that came before you that sometimes uh, just a regular ass person can be the hero right, right. Um, so I guess in that way that was one of the many, expectations that ryan johnson subverted he was very fond of saying that he was subverting your expectations that he liked to subvert expectations and that was Mm -hmm. something we could expect from star wars so there was no big reveal as far as ray's lineage is concerned Mm -hmm. um and it was a story of uh, i think fallen heroes also um so when you when you kind of tie all those things together they're interesting concepts and i think would make for a pretty cool movie um and it is it is it is a pretty cool movie i think um some of the the positives i think that we have with the last jedi is that it is beautiful uh Mm. it's a it is a gorgeous film um and i I don't think you're going to find anybody that has gripes with the cinematography uh, in the last Jedi, and if you do, you know what? They're probably just being a fucking asshole, <laughs> uh, you know, for the sake of being a fucking asshole. And uh, so, yeah, we don't we don't need that. Um, so it's a beautiful movie. I think that it's extremely well acted. I mean, all, all let me just say this because <laughs> when you're critical of something like Star Wars or Marvel film, it's so easy to to talk trash about it or any movie Mm -hmm. you know to talk trash about it and tear it apart and talk about all the things that sucked um do you know how many people work on a film though and how many masters of their craft are working on a film right uh, and the production of a film and like are, are just the shining examples of of effort in their field it's like oh that sucked it's like did it though (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all, all for Did some it? some dingus somewhere to just be like yeah that was bad yeah um you know what fuck you guy and uh so let me just say that that, that there are so many things to love about the last jedi mm-hmm. um especially i think daisy ridley really shines in this movie um as an actor you know and the, and the range of emotion that she's able to convey i know a lot of people don't really think that ray demonstrates a lot of emotion i don't think that's true mm-hmm. um because i really connect with that that sense of uh uncertainty and kind of loneliness that that she um that she demonstrates and and that hit for me personally in a big way and then luke of course uh mark hamill the way that he portrayed luke the way he did was very intense mm-hmm. and uh it, it was fucking amazing yeah, I think I think um, so, back to the the moment where he's trying to teach her about the force, and he like has that leaf or stick or whatever, and yeah, he like smacks her hand. Like that's a human thing that human beings do. And I I know a lot of people like to compare this to the Star Wars prequel movies. 
mm-hmm. where people often did not act like humans. Uh, so right. so the, the problems I have with The Last Jedi, which obviously we'll get into, are not the same problems that I have with the Star Wars prequels. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I agree. Well, that's, a, that's a good point. Uh, at least Daisy Ridley and Mark Hamill, while acting, were acting like people. They were they were reacting to things that they are attempting to understand, but ultimately may never have a full grasp. Of. I can dig it, uh, and we'll definitely get to that because there is something in that that whole scene that I think just mm-hmm. fucking um, is a home run. Um, <laughs> but uh, so so yeah, this is this is a unique movie in in that like right at the beginning of of the film, um, we have this really. Uh, awkward kind of humor um from poe and mm-hmm. and the way that he's interacting with general hux and it really kind of it uh, it doesn't set the tone for the film but it is it kind of disrupts your train of thought or it kind of throws you off guard in that way what what were your thoughts of that scene with poe so it was a similar now I, I realize I just said the problems that I might have with The Last Jedi were not the same problems that I had with the Star Wars prequels. And now I'm going to backtrack and say um, <laughs> that setting the tone, I think, was one of the biggest problems that, uh, what was it, Revenge of the Sith had, Episode 3. Mm-hmm. Where at the beginning of the movie, you've got um, madcap hijinks with R2-D2. Uh, you've got um, elevator follies and you've got a uh, brutal beheading all within mm-hmm. minutes of each other. Right. Um, and then a, a space war movie right before that. Uh, and so with Poe, again, if the intention is solely to subvert your expectations about what's going on, you know, I, I think that there needs to be more than that. And again, I, I think that's part of the broader conversation here is, what Ryan Johnson did well versus where he crossed the line into, okay, Ryan, stop. Um, but <laughs> so the, the humor, humor has always been a part of Star Wars. There's always been little moments of humor. Uh, as for Poe and his interactions with Hux and others, um, I mean, it was okay. Like I, I've heard people since then complain about it. Uh, at the time, I just kind of chuckled because mm-hmm. that's how he was in the first movie too. That's, that's how he was in the force awakens was, you know, when Poe was on screen, there were probably a couple of yucks you were going to have. And then he was a great pilot. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's one thing about the scene too, that uh, really jumped out at me uh, when I watched it in preparation for this episode was that um, I really got a sense of just how fucking intense it must be to be an X-Wing pilot. I mean, because when you're watching these movies, you're like, oh, yeah, that's fun. That's cool. But, like, I, I really uh, I really got a sense, and maybe it was because of all the reefer that I smoked prior, um, <laughs> of how, like, insane these guys must be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I understand now when they are characterized, or characterized, excuse me, or profiled even by people like Haldo, you know, mm. because it's you know, like, yeah, he's fucking insane. Like you would have to be <laughs> insane right. to do what they do. Right. 
Um, so I, I got a real profound sense of that and, and I really grew to appreciate Poe as a character a lot more. Because uh, you're right, I like him because he is funny and, uh, you know, because he's a good guy. But I, I grew to appreciate the character a lot more when I realized just how fucking insane mm-hmm. he, he actually is. And, and it makes his humor in the face of something like that make sense at the very least because, you know, I've never been in a, a real life or death situation. But it's a situation where, right. the, where the people that are in situations like that, they have to cope with it somehow. And if that is a sort of twisted humor, then I guess mm-hmm. it makes sense. Yeah, and I I think that that was exceptionally well done. So, um, we kind of were int- introduced to one of the concepts that that I had mentioned before, or one of the story points that I had mentioned before, where uh, they have an opportunity to take down a major major ship in the First Order Navy, mm-hmm. and Poe's like, I am absolutely going for this. And, and Leia, General Organa, she gives him a direct order to disengage. And Poe deliberately disobeys. He deliberately disobeys. That's always, and, yeah, uh, anytime somebody says that, FYI, I yeah. do think of the Lion King. <laughs> always Mufasa and Simba. Right. You deliberately oh, disobey. Um, yes, it's so good. I love that. Um, but uh, so that kind of sets that that concept rolling. You know, Poe is... He's not good at thinking ahead or thinking of the team and his role in it um, as opposed to, oh, my God, I am so fucking good at what I do. Like, (laughs) watch this shit. (laughs) And you know it's going to work. And he knows it's going to work. But at what cost? Um, So, yeah. So it kind of the we go from humor to a a bit more of a, a... a, a somber tone when Tally is sacrificed on her bomber. Mm. Uh, I believe that's Tally. Yeah, it's. Well, I mean, it's. Uh, you know, it's uh, Rose's sister, obviously. Um, right. And I just I can't think of uh, can't think of that character's name. I, I think you can um, be forgiven for a character that, while having you know, while being pivotal to that scene, ultimately gets, you know. A minute of screen time total. I think you can. Yeah, some. To... It was Paige. I was gonna say Paige, by the way, Paige. but then I was like, no, you're you're thinking of a wrestler, and uh, I was like, no, I'm thinking of Paige. It is Paige. Rose and Paige Tico. Were you thinking um, of Diamond Dallas Page? No, but uh, but that would have been interesting to say the least. Um, <laughs> Drops an elbow fucking, on you know, the first order's dreadnought. Right, or uh, let me show you my Asana. Uh, so. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to get sidetracked with Diamond Dallas Page and his yoga classes, but apparently they're fucking awesome. Um, So, so yeah, um, we we yeah we shift tones a little bit, and you know um, they're successful in in downing that dreadnought, uh, much to uh, Hux's chagrin. Mm -hmm. And um, but again, at what cost? They lose a lot of ships, and Leia is not pleased about that at all. Takes away. Or rather, I should say, demotes Poe, and he's just like, "What? <laughs> right? I did my job. Why? How could you possibly demote me?" Yeah. So that was interesting. Uh, he he received consequences for his actions, and he, he couldn't understand why. He he like the concept of receiving consequences seemed completely foreign to him. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a cool. That's the cool starting point 
for an arc for Poe. Um, so then, of course, we get Finn wakes up in... Um, and it's cool the way that they did that because he's in this Bakta suit, right? Mm-hmm. But when he wakes up, it's like he immediately is in the battle with Kylo Ren on Starkiller Base. Like that's his last point of reference for the waking world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that uh, it was kind of cool the way that that was demonstrated on screen and his confusion as to his surroundings. And interestingly, his first thought and his first spoken word is Ray, which uh, which I find to be uh, very interesting. So, uh, in this film, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but in this film, did you get the sense, and even in The Force Awakens, you, you get a sense that there is going to be some kind of relationship between ray and finn and i i don't specifically mean a romantic relationship mm-hmm. but a a meaningful on-screen relationship of some kind did you get that vibe i i thought there was going to be um you know on the one hand what i think i wanted and many other people wanted was for a relationship more to develop between uh finn and poe but that's neither here nor there right uh, well that's the romantic relationship and right. You know, in which case I will watch that fucking movie. Right. Uh, anytime. Star Wars would anywhere. take a big leap there and, and win a lot of people over. But uh, yeah, as for a relationship between Poe and uh, Ray, or sorry, with Finn and Ray, I, I feel that I realize we're talking about The Last Jedi here. But right. I will say this when it comes to that subject in particular, I feel that um, the final movie. The La- or um, Rise of Skywalker spent mm-hmm. quite a lot of time trying to clean up the perceived mess uh, that The Last Jedi left in its wake. Right. And probably would have developed that relationship more in that. Mm-hmm. But it didn't because they felt that they had to do something to fix, quote unquote, what The Last Jedi left. Yeah, and that's that's an important point, though, and I, I just want to point this out real quick, that it makes conversation about The Last Jedi kind of difficult, especially now that we have all the pieces. Mm. Um, you know, we have all three films in the sequel trilogy, so you can't, I, I suppose you could, but it's difficult to talk about this film as it exists without addressing the film that came before it and the film afterwards, mm. because... That's part. That's part of the 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 fuckery, as it were, with the Last Jedi. Yeah. I mean, is that am, does that make sense? Am I out of line in saying that? No, no, I I don't think so. So we're we're at this point. Story was the the resistance is they they got spanked pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they they really lucked with taking down that dreadnought. Uh, lucked out with taking down the dreadnought, but they did get spanked hard, and they're they're in a bad way. Um. They're being pursued by the First Order now with basically uh, just a handful of remaining ships that uh, that are being dogged pretty closely if uh, if memory serves. And it, it at this point becomes kind of a, a, a steady chase. Like the first is not like a question of um, if the First Order is going to catch them. It's a question of when. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of what spurs the story forward. How do we... How do we escape the, what is going to be an inevitable fate? 
Um, so, so that's interesting to me. And I know that a lot of people took issue with the fact that that's basically all that happens in this movie. Um, the, the first order is chasing, uh, the resistance and everything that sort of happens parallel to that is other, other aspects of the film, obviously, but that's, that's the backbone of it. It, They're being chased in space. Mm -hmm. Um, which I don't think is a bad thing. I mean, that it does open opportunities and avenues for the story to move forward and characters to, de to develop. So I don't really see that as a negative necessarily. What, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I do think that it's something, how should I say this? So it's where a lot of things that happen in the star Wars movies rely in some degree on you being at least somewhat familiar with the universe. Uh, mm -hmm. barring uh, obviously the first movie. now in this one i do kind of have an issue with hyperdrive fuel or, or having fuel in general because you know like it it goes to me back to the difference between say star trek and star wars which i've been watching a lot of star trek lately let me tell you it's great it is a very different mm -hmm. it's not a different flavor uh to use a food analogy it's a whole other kind of meal um Right. I think with Star Trek, your goal with Star Trek is to understand something by the end of a given episode. To to have learned about a concept, real or otherwise, that mm -hmm. enriches your understanding of the universe. Again, real or otherwise. Uh, I think the, the big thing with Star Wars has been fantasy. You know, it is, it is fantasy in space. It's a fantasy slash western slash... Right. Sci-fi movie. And sci-fi movie is last, in my opinion. And so for them to be worried about fuel during this chase, I did not like that because it, it adds an explanation to what should be fantasy, in my mind. Right. Now, as for the chase itself, not necessarily. Uh, what I do have a problem with is their solution to that problem. In what way? Um the let's take a shuttle to another planet. And I don't know if you want to wait for that discussion. Uh, uh yeah, let's, let's wait until we kind of get there. Um, sure. because I, I want to address that point. There's a, a quote from, uh, Grant Morrison and I don't remember the exact quote. So I'm going to paraphrase. And basically it was like these days you get so many questions and people are so caught up in the minutia of, mm -hmm of uh, aspects of characters and story you know talking about like who inflates the tires on the batmobile that sort of thing it's like <laughs> it, who who cares <laughs> you know like who fucking cares and, and i think that that's uh i think that's kind of it it's somewhat reflective of the point that you made where it's like yeah once you start explain explaining things like that mm -hmm. then you're kind of and I didn't really have a problem with it as far as the movie goes, per se. But what happens is now you've established this and mm. it becomes a limiting factor. Um, should you, you know, want to do other things in other movies and in other stories, now there's always going to be this one thing that you have to take into right. consideration. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is problematic for me. Uh, now, granted, that does give 
people opportunities to to use that later, like in The Mandalorian when uh, he, he says, you know, you can't even buy fuel for this. It's like, mm. okay, <laughs> now we know. Right. Um, but, you know, just that, that reference itself is, does not really fix anything. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I definitely get that. Um, but again, we can kind of, you know, we can kind of pick that apart um, mm-hmm. when we get to it. I do want to talk about Luke and Ray on Octo um, because that is kind of like the the other parallel mm-hmm. or the uh, the what the B story, I guess here, right? Oh um, yeah, it is the B story, and that's probably my biggest problem with this movie. But please continue. <laughs> so uh, we get. Uh, Ray approaching Luke and and handing him the lightsaber, which you know, of course, everybody knows at this point. He throws it directly over his shoulder, mm-hmm. and a laugh track from Big Bang Theory. <laughs> <laughs> um, that definitely subverted my expectations in that scene. That's for sure. Sure. Um, but what I want to do is, in, in talking about the Last Jedi, um, before we recorded this, I had said, "Will I want to?" I don't want to rip this movie apart. I want to be as positive as possible because mm-hmm. it was my intention from the beginning to be as positive as possible um, and talking about these movies because I wanted to do a Star Wars series that was a celebration of Star Wars and not a hate fest. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, though, th- this was the thing that like really, it really sort of like there was a record scratch here. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the needle popped uh, because. So yeah, my expectations were subverted. Great. But what happens is, and this is a problem that you run into continuously as the movies progress, or rather I should say once we get to The Rise of Skywalker, is that you are undermining a momentous emotional cliffhanger on a literal cliff um, (laughs) at the end of The Force Awakens. I mean... All of the emotion in that scene and the, you know, just the look on Mark Hamill's face is Luke and the music swelling. Yes, it was just uh, it hit so hard for me on so many emotional levels. And then the movie ended and you're like, oh, my God, (laughs) please, this can't be the end. And then he gets his saber in The Last Jedi and just throws it over his fucking shoulder. Um, Okay, so here's the thing. When I said I wanted to have a positive discussion, I mean it and I do. Um, but at what point can you at what point can you discuss something like this? And you know, I'm I'm kinda I, I feel like I'm in a box because if you say that you fundamentally disagree with this, um, if you were to take my medicine, it would be uh, and that's fine. Um, you can fundamentally disagree with it. It the movie still exists, mm-hmm. and it's not going to change because that's how you feel about it. Um, you know, just focus on the parts that you do like about it, or uh, move on. <laughs> you know, <laughs> those are those are really your options. Um, but for me too, it it again, it kind of goes back to undermining and creating problems further down the road mm-hmm. um because there seems to be some backtracking and there seems to be elements of what was developing between ray and luke that just ended up kind of 
going nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by the time you get to the next film. So I, I don't necessarily think that making bold choices like that in the middle part or the second act of a trilogy, if you will, mm. uh, I don't think that that is clever. Um, I don't think that it's wise. I think that Ryan Johnson is both a clever and wise filmmaker. I think he's very talented and I think that he's highly skilled. Um, I don't think that those were good decisions to make in a Star Wars movie, though. Um, and that's that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Um, <laughs> but I say, I say I'm in a box, though, because I feel like if you start becoming critical of something like uh, anything in Star Wars or Marvel or whatever in a fandom, you're immediately branded the fandom menace. And <laughs> you are part of the, you are part of the problem. I had not. You know, heard and I'm all I like that. You've you've never heard the fandom menace. No. Oh, you must not be on Twitter very often. I'm not, uh, honestly. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, so so the fandom menace, and I I could be wrong about this because it seems to be like a nebulous fucking thing that basically if you just say something that, you know, rankles somebody, um, then you're the, phantom, the fandom menace, excuse me. But my understanding of the fandom menace is that it consists largely of misogynists and bigots mm-hmm. and people that can't let other people be happy. Um, <laughs> you know, that are constantly on the offensive when it comes to um, the new Star Wars and, you know, other aspects of Star Wars. Oh, gatekeepers too, I suppose, would would um, mm. f- fit into that category as is, well. Is that someone that's like, oh, well, you don't really know because... Right, yeah. You're not a true fan like me because, or you could, you know, just shit like that, which I think any reasonable person would would agree is fucking asinine. And, yeah. you know, uh, but, but yeah, I, I often feel like I'm in a box and I, and I often feel like I can't enjoy Star Wars the way that I used to because it's like if you start being critical... Um, then it's, then you're wrong and they need to label you the fandom menace and also tell you why you're not right or why you don't think or, or why what you think is not accurate. And you're like, well, okay, I guess we're just going to have to agree to disagree. Um, <laughs> Which is you know, not because, in the vocabulary of the average Twitter user. No, I, I just, you know, and that's the thing is like, you, you see this and we've discussed this on the on the show before you see this in politics you see this in other aspects of social media it's like you have to be one or the other you know it's like you can't have an opinion that is nuanced you know or um you know varied in some way it's like you're on the red team or you're on the blue team like there's no in between you either love the last jedi um or you could take it or leave it and you know, it's just like really um, so I, ha- I have to hate it or love it. Okay. Well, right. I'd rather just hit you, <laughs> you know, like that's, that's um, how this makes me feel. I, I gotta um, say, to be honest with you, it's, it's funny you say that because I, I had pretty high hopes for the last Jedi. And when I left the theater, I thought it was probably the okayest movie I had seen up to that point in my life. Um, really? Yeah, and so I, I think it's probably because of my high expectations. Okay, um, that it was just like so okay when I left. Uh, but I but I understand where you're coming from when it comes to like if I brought that to somebody, 
uh, it's either going to be them saying, well, why didn't you hate it more? Or why didn't you mm-hmm. like it more? Right. And yeah, I don't, I don't have an answer for that. Uh, and really, I, 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 I will say, I don't think this is exclusive to Star Wars. I think Star Wars has such a, as I said before, monumental presence that it's, right. it's easy to find. Massive fan base. Right. It's easy to find those arguments. Uh, actually, only one fandom comes to mind that I've never seen argument. I'm sure there's arguments that go on, but mm-hmm. um, the only fandom I've seen of something that I enjoy where that hasn't been in my view is Avatar The Last Airbender, um, mm. which if you haven't watched, man. I know, I know. It is, I know. It is, it is incredible. Um, anyway. But yeah, well, it's funny you say that though because that's one of the ones that I I really caught hell for was when people talk about it. I'm all like, oh, I I enjoyed the movie, and it's like, bruh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, let me give you all the reasons why you should not like that movie, and I'm just like, well, I still did, so fuck off. You, you're talking about you the know? movie, The Last Airbender, or are you talking about The Last Jedi? Oh, uh, The Last Airbender. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, Which, you know, now that I'm more familiar with the franchise and the series, like I totally get a lot of the criticisms <laughs> that were aimed at it. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, like there was a lot of backlash or I rather I experienced a lot of backlash when I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I enjoyed that movie. Again, let and me let me like, backtrack. The only caveat is when you talk to a fan of the show about the movie, uh, <laughs> right. they get really okay. upset. Um, yeah. No. And I understand it a lot. I do. Um, I totally get a lot of that now. Uh, but I mean, like um, when it comes to feeling like you're in a box, um, uh, yeah, tough. Not to you, but to everybody else. Uh, yeah, positivity. I think is an underrated concept in general. And yeah, I, I we're I, my wife and I, Carrington and I, are, are actually going to have a quote unquote Super Bowl party on on Sunday, um, where we prepare a bunch of snacks and then we eat them ourselves and not okay not, i can dig not it. have anybody over um but during the day we're just going to be playing star wars movies on the tv all day and mm-hmm. one of those movies is going to be the last jedi uh again like i i didn't love the last jedi but i'm not gonna turn it off when, when i say that we're right. gonna watch star wars movies we're gonna watch star wars movies by gum mm-hmm. And one of those is going to be The Last Jedi. Last so are you starting with episode one or are you doing like the machete order? No. So here's the thing. We, we did that before and it was very interesting. It was a very interesting experience. Uh, it was very enjoyable. Um, Carrington knew all the spoilers and everything, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's still fun. Uh, no. While we're getting everything ready, the prequels will be on. Gotcha. So okay. we don't have to pay too much attention to them. Um, and then by the time we get everything ready, uh, four onwards will be playing. And then, uh, by the time we get to the new trilogy, well, we'll be, you know, full and tired and who knows what'll happen. We might fall asleep. Uh, who knows yeah, what'll happen? Who know- well, that wasn't a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, who knows, but I guess, <laughs> I guess you could say that. Uh, <laughs> right. But no, like I, and something else I wanted to mention to you, Parker was, I mean, you're a parent, you, you know how it is to, to raise a child, and sometimes you have to be proud that your child went and tried something, but then also tell them, hey, okay, so here's how you can do better next time. 
Absolutely. Uh, and I think that, frankly, it's it's you're right. It's over and done with the Last Jedi. That is. But hey, mm-hmm. it, if you don't express your distaste for something to the person that's in control of making a thing, mm-hmm. it's never going to change. Now, again, right. yeah, the bigots, the misogynists, all that crap. Yeah, it's like, well, I didn't want a woman in the starring role of Star Wars. Why not? One. And two, go to hell. Right. Um, <laughs> sorry, guy. Or gal. You know, again, that would be bad. Yeah, me uh, yeah we, we, want to be in, we want to be inclusive with how much we want you to shut the fuck up. Right. <laughs> exactly. But no, I, I get that feeling of let's be positive. But also, we, we do feel compelled to explain the issues that we have. Right. And and one of the things, too, is that, you know, I often hear that it's a matter of taste. And it's like, well, yes and no. Um, mm-hmm. But let me say that one of the things about being critical is that too many people associate the word critical or criticism with negativity. Right. And I think that yeah, there are a lot of there are a lot of bullshit critics out there that are just you know uh, <laughs> teens pushing up their glasses, you know, yeah. adding their two cents about this, that, and the other. I used to be one of them. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, and myself to a degree, still am to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the thing is, criticism is taking something, taking it apart, thinking about it objectively. Um, turning it around in your mind, trying to put it back together, and then seeing what works and what doesn't. And granted, it's from your own perspective, but as a critic, it's also from the position of having done this with multiple films. Mm. Um, And also having a vague, at least a vague, understanding of the mechanics of story and uh, character development and exposition. Granted, there's a lot about filmmaking that I don't know, and I can appreciate that, that I don't know it. Um, but one of those things about film criticism is you eventually learn a lot. You learn a lot, um, you know, kind of through osmosis. And, and I'm not saying I could get out there and do a better job than Ryan Johnson. God damn, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I'll take a few hundred million to try. Right. But yeah. uh, <laughs> and that's, that's the other thing is, you know what? By the end of the day, Ryan Johnson got paid. Yeah, he, was out of there. yeah. He, he is he is okay. Um, but the thing about criticism is if it weren't for a critic, mm-hmm. everything an artist does or a filmmaker produces or, or an author writes, they're not going to have anyone saying, yeah, I get that. But think about this. Like, this doesn't work here for me because mm. or, you know, this didn't seem to work because uh, if you don't have those people then you don't ever improve uh and you will either you'll always suck or you'll you know you'll spin the wheels of mediocrity forever like you won't develop um and in turn we won't get better movies uh or better music or better books or or whatever so criticism is extremely important and you don't have to like the criticism Mm -hmm. And other fans don't have to like the criticism. What's important is, did you as the the creator, did you see it? Were you presented with some of this criticism? And did you actually think about it instead of dismissing it outright? 
That's what criticism is for. So I don't, I mean, I don't do this because I want somebody to agree with me. I do this because I want to see movies that I want to see. Right. Um, And I want to see Star Wars movies that I want to see. And maybe that's selfish, but I don't think so. Um, It's because when it comes to Star Wars and me, I'm just asking for quality films. Right. That's all. And, and, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's important like... that even outside, well, two things. One, yeah, criticism is not a dirty word. Roger Ebert, for example, his job was critic, film critic. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of movies he enjoyed. And that was part of criticism was to say, here's why I enjoyed this movie. Not right. just here's why I disliked this movie. Now, he is famous exactly. for his like. Like his tirade on the movie North, which if you've never read or seen him talk about North, it's pretty funny. Uh, I will have to check that out. I've, I'm aware that that exists, and it's something that's always been on my to-do list, and I've never pulled the trigger. Yeah, it's, he uses the word hated like six times in a row <laughs> uh, when wow. describing the movie. Um, but no, it's, that's that's the big thing in my mind, is, is critic is, is not a dirty word. The other thing is... Uh, it's not just criticizing things you consume, any media you consume. It's it's about if you make no effort to exert your will on the universe, the universe will never bend to your will. That's that's it. That's, right. that's the gist of it. And if, you know, like, Ryan Johnson may never hear me say this, but it's like, hey, man, The Last Jedi could have been better. If I say that and he doesn't hear it well you know what i said it and i meant it mm-hmm. and he may hear it if i don't say it he's never going to hear it from me sure in all fairness though you could say that about virtually any film sure um, it could be better yeah it, it could be better citizen uh, Kane could could be better yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm just if if you were the screenwriter of citizen kane and mm-hmm. you know you look at it 10, 15, 20 years, um, you're, I guarantee you, you're going to look at that screenplay and you're going to watch that film and you're going to be like, I should have done that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and that's all I mean is that, you know, especially as a creator, you're going to look at your own work and be like, Hmm, could have done that differently. Um, but but that's part of it is letting it go. And, And I think the important thing is the creation executing it. Yeah, you're right. You, and I know we didn't intend for this to become like a, a, a self-help speech by Tony Robbins, but that's it, man. If you're thinking about creating something, go create it. Like, yeah, I'll tell you, my brother created a podcast and he's been doing it regularly and he's been doing a great job at it. And I just want him to know that. Uh, that's you. When did, uh... That's you, by the oh, way. Oh, okay. I, 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 I knew, I knew you were about to be like, oh, when did Sam's going to bring a podcast? <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, I went my whole life up into this point, three decades, give or take, uh, of not making anything. And I finally decided this year, you know, well, I have all the tools at my disposal. I'm going to. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to be criticized. That's the other side of this is I'm going to make something and it'll be criticized. And you know what? Somebody's going to piss all over it. Yeah. It's like, well, you know what? I made it. So... Yeah. I I had a good time making it. You mentioned you mentioned that I started streaming, first time ever. I loved it. Uh, streaming on the PS4 on the exercise bike, streaming on PC, playing a 22 year old game, 24 year old game, Half Life. 
That's the way and, to do it. And like, I don't care. Nobody, nobody is going to join me to watch me play Half Life. Because again, see above statement about being twenty three years old. But I'm going to have a good time. And if anybody does want to join me, they can. And that's that's the thing. Um, yeah. So yeah. So you've made a you you've built a very positive case for the Last Jedi and for making the Last Jedi and. And and I think that supports all my previous statements too about Ryan Johnson, dude. He he took a big fucking swing, mm-hmm. um, and and I respect that. I do. Sure. Um, again, there are things that I don't agree with on a fundamental soul deep level, um, but he he stepped up, cinched up his belt, took a huge fucking swing, uh, probably a much bigger swing than a lot of other people mm-hmm. would have. Uh, been brave enough to take and you know it didn't hit for everybody but it hit for a lot of people sure i'd say the majority of people um so good for him i'm not i don't want to dismiss that or take anything away from it and i think everything that you just said about creating something uh is fully supportive of that idea so i i'm never gonna say fuck ryan johnson sure. like ever um but but uh <laughs> no i mean no no but i mean there he made a film and there are things about it that i don't like yeah um but overall but i think it's it a wonderful like, film right? yeah absolutely um so getting back to the movie yeah. um there are some really amazing things i mean we mentioned that that uh the b story of of ray and and to a degree luke um mm-hmm. I think a lot of that unfolded beautifully and and uh the way that Luke kind of came to or came around to accepting the fact that Ray was there and she wasn't going to leave um that was pretty profound and uh, and you know it was very old school you know you get three lessons <laughs> and right. uh, you know it's like it's, uh, it uh it feels very old school and you know like uh western or or japanese in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um which again is you know like the roots of star wars so that's awesome and just the, but the way that he was brought around and the emotional responses and the emotional interactions between those characters, I really do love. Like when Chewie bursts the door down, which is a piece <laughs> of Luke's X-Wing, which is just awesome. And because it was a very Chewy thing to do. He's like, I got no time for this bullshit. Open the door. <laughs> um, and then Luke is there. And one of the first things he realizes is that Han is not present. Yeah. And just the way that he gets to that question and everything slows down and he asks, where's Han? You know, that was that was pretty impactful to me. So uh, the way that those things unfolded, I think were great. The way that we got a new force power, I think was awesome Um, for space time or, or force time or whatever the kids are calling it. Um, That was pretty cool to me. I liked that a lot because uh, one of the things about star Wars traditionally is that you, for the most part, get a new force power or you get to see the force used in a new way. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was pretty cool. Yeah, the, so, the leap from Star Wars to Empire, there nobody moved anything with the Force in the first one. Right. And, you know, as a kid, you don't think about it. You're like, yeah, the Force moves stuff, whatever. But, yeah, from 77 to 1980, it's like, oh, my gosh, Luke can move stuff now with the Force? Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, and uh, so so that was incredibly cool, man, to see that. I liked it. Um and the notion of setting up this duality or this bond 
which mm-hmm. we later term realize is termed a, a dyad, forced dyad. Uh, not what I would have chosen, but okay. <laughs> um, between Kylo and uh, between Kylo Ren and 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 uh, Ray was was very fascinating to me, and um, we haven't gotten to talk about kylo ren very much because obviously he plays a very major part in this movie and i don't know what the fuck we'd be doing if we didn't address (laughs) um adam driver as kylo ren so that character is one that i really had no affinity for um in the force awakens um apart from the uh apart from the sound design of his voice when he's wearing the mask oh yeah some oh my god that is one of the best tones i've ever heard in my life and i wish so hard that i could replicate that somehow yeah i, um, I having grown up watching predator i f- this mm-hmm. year figured out how to make the predator noise so it's going to take me a while to figure out how to do kylo ren's voice Oh, well, I mean, there is a technique, there is a trick to it, and, and we can get to that. Okay. Um, but I, I'm referring specifically to the, the audio, t- the, the tone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's super, super compressed, um, and it's, I, I could just go on and on about how fucking cool his voice is in that mask. But um, so, so Kylo Ren in this movie, though, is completely different in that I was really enthralled uh, by the character in this film and the kind of the direction that they took him. So I want to spend some time talking about that. Sure. Uh, in, in this movie, we see Kylo Ren or we begin to see Kylo Ren as more of a human being. And that's part of the, the, the force time as it were with, um, with Daisy Ridley as Ray is that mm-hmm. she sees a monster Everybody else sees a monster when they see Kylo Ren, but but what's happening is that she slowly starts to see him as a human being, uh, a very flawed human being, um, through these these forced time conversations. I hate saying forced time, but I can't think of anything else, um, which is really cool. And so in so doing, we see Kylo Ren as more of a human being, and I think one of the things about that between the two of them is that I think that terrifies Ray mm-hmm. um, because we should be, and again, it kind of goes back to left and right, red and blue. Um, she should see him as a monster and she should have no compassion for him. But I think that it complicates things for her by seeing him as a human being. Um, so, so yeah, I think Kylo, like the, the, the development of Kylo Ren um and aspects of Ben Solo in The Last Jedi are pretty incredible. And I think that in mentioning that, we kind of dovetail into Snoke, uh, <laughs> who we saw in the first film. But now we, you know, we full on get Snoke. Um, and, I, and I have some questions I want to ask you what you think about Snoke. But um, for the time being, wh- what are your initial thoughts and, and feelings on Supreme Leader Snoke and his his larger than life introduction uh, in this film. So I, you mentioned larger than life. He was literally larger than life in The Force Awakens, and then uh, you know very present and very you know uh, that's hard to describe exactly uh, in this in this movie, The Last Jedi. 
I, I do think that it should have been a little more. Um, mm-hmm. by what I mean but what I mean by that is even in this movie don't show him until the end um, right where it's he's still just a big old hologram uh, can still exert the force on people as he does in the movie and then reveal him to be a a, a sad shriveled little man uh, I think mm-hmm. would have been more interesting but to the point I mean it's it there's almost like an opulence to Snoke in this movie that I feel like should have been a little more explored. And you, you tend to associate the big bad with dark brooding, um, like Emperor Palpatine, obviously in his throne room, you know, black robes, mm-hmm. blue, black robes, hooded, dark, everything's dark. But with Snoke, it's very well lit. He's wearing gold robes, uh, got red and all red and white and black and gray, I think are the colors present in his throne room. And that's interesting. That's, that's visually interesting. So again, I, I do think there are things that could have been done better with it. Again, we're trying to stay positive here. So, uh, all I'll say is he was at least very visually interesting in, in this movie, his introduction, where he resides, what he's trying to accomplish based on what we know so far in the story is, is very interesting to see. Uh, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. He, he has this almost like, uh, he almost exudes like this sort of hedonistic, Mm -hmm. uh, air, uh, where he appreciates luxury. Uh, he likes nice, he likes things that are nice. He likes nice things. Um, which, you know, kind of runs counter to the starkness and the coldness of, of Palpatine's throne room, um, as as you mentioned. So I do think that's really cool. The fact that he is humanoid, but much larger than humans, I think is also very cool. Mm -hmm. Um, his manipulation of Kylo Ren is is something else that intrigues me. And, but again, it, it, serves more to help me appreciate Kylo Ren more mm-hmm. as a character. Um, you know, just the way that he is clearly leading him and jabbing him and forcing him to uh, become reactionary, you know, to get a rise out of him, essentially. Right. Do you Wait, do you and, mean to tell me that even people committing heinous acts may be manipulated by a force larger than themselves into doing so? I'm saying that's entirely possible, Oh, my yes. God. My worldview. Um, yeah, it, it almost paints yeah. Kylo Ren as like another victim of Snoke's rather than just Snoke's enforcer, which I mean, he, Absolutely. he is, but again, he is, he's also a victim in this right. context. And when he, when uh, Kylo says, you know, I've given everything to you, um, mm-hmm. that's, that was very telling to me when it was just this moment where you see that um, Kylo Ren is thinking about what his dad said before he, you know, ran him through, um, that that Snoke was m- manipulating him and just using him, mm-hmm. and would have no use for him once he, you know, accomplished his goals. And you could, you could really see in that moment or hear in his voice that that's probably what he was thinking, um, as as he had that exchange with Snoke. But uh, um, so yeah, that all was very interesting to me, and it. it Again, visually incredible. Um, now, here's the, the thing about Snoke that I want to ask you about. Because mm-hmm. 
I, I know that we're talking about this film as it is, and it, but it's very hard for me to do that, so I won't. <laughs> uh, this was followed up by The Rise of Skywalker, and obviously we there was a reveal there about what Snoke kind of was, maybe. Um, but in this movie, you get a, a very clear sense, I think, that he has kind of a Wizard of Oz thing going on, you know, especially like with the projection uh, in front of Hux in the beginning of the film. And then this grand throne room, like it all feels very Wizard of Oz to me. And in an interview, either uh, I think it was shortly after the release of The Last Jedi, uh, someone had made that comparison to Ryan Johnson and asked him if it was intentional. And he was like, absolutely. Mm. Um, So, it makes me it makes me think that there was some narrative thread that was meant to be carried into the last Jedi with Snoke being a, a puppet, uh, and in the, it looks like he was like a literal puppet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that everything was haphazardly created for the Rise of Skywalker, and this is me talking. This is somebody who has an opinion that The Rise of Skywalker was very haphazardly crafted and did not carry much over from the previous two films. But only in watching it this last time did I realize that Snoke was being set up to be something less than he appeared to be, I think. Mm. Um, So killing Snoke, you know, at the time, you're like, oh, that was just that was a really dumb move. Uh, but in retrospect, if they were continuing to move forward with that, then, you know, who cares if if Snoke gets killed because he's he's not important. Um, so I think that I think The Last Jedi actually was telegraphing that. Hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm just not sure how that was all meant to work, because once you get to the rise of Skywalker, it's just like, and no. <laughs> um, I mean, he, but, he uh, was. Yeah. Kind yeah, I and we can talk about that um, at another time. But I, I do uh, what I'm saying basically is that some of the criticisms I had for the rise of Skywalker and in watching this film again, I think that I think that Snoke's reality or like the actuality of Snoke was being telegraphed and, and in a fairly clever way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I think that that's a, a positive for this film, certainly. Um. But moving moving on, because um, this is a very long movie, and uh, <laughs> yeah. we don't have yeah we don't have a whole lot more time to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we made some great points though, and I, I don't think anything that we've discussed is going to get cut because I think it's all hey. very relevant, and I think it it, it suits um, I think it suits the Last Jedi that we that we leave those conversations in, especially about mm-hmm. uh, creativity, but. Um, so subverting expectations, I want to go back to that because yes. um, we get a new character in this movie uh, in the form of Vice Admiral Holdo, which I think is a great character. Um, number one, I love, love, love Laura Dern and I love, love, love Purple and uh, I love Laura Dern. So there you go. Those three things um, the way, Yeah, <laughs> the way that she... It was introduced and and with Poe and I didn't catch this before, but you know with Poe saying well, it's not what I expected. They didn't say it, but I'm pretty sure he was expecting some battle hardened dude, 
Sure. Um, which I think is when I think of expectations being subverted and that being a theme, I think that that's a really good one. Um, I know a lot of people again like to fucking cry foul of SJWs ruining Star Wars. Um, but you know what? You know what? That conversation aside, I do think that that's an interesting topic to explore within terms of the story of the last Jedi, because it is about expectation and it is about, uh, you know, roles being played, um, and, and understanding and realizing that it's not always what you think it's going to be or what you think it should be. Um, also vice Admiral Holdo's a badass. And I, I think that's an awesome thing to, to show and to demonstrate um, right. You know, especially knowing that young people are, are watching these films. And as much as people like to say that they're made for children, I <laughs> don't think that's yeah. don't think that's true. The taxation um, but of it trade is... routes has been blah, 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 blah. Right. And, but it is something important for children to see, I think, um, that this is the case and that, that Holdo is this very capable leader. But, it, but she's also a very important component to she's an important story component mm-hmm. and that it helps Poe complete his arc of, of learning to trust leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even if he doesn't trust the leadership to, to work within the parameters of his role uh, and, 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 and to stay in his lane and, and let sometimes you, you gotta let the adults talk. And, right. and let the you know let the adults make the decisions that they're going to make, and in this case, it's uh, it's General Organa and Vice Admiral Holdo. Mm-hmm. I, I will um, I will so, agree that. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but no, uh, I wanted to mention you know this to me. If you can get past the fact that Holdo is a woman with purple hair, which you should, because um, you know people are just people, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is essentially the same thing that happened in the empire strikes back where Luke comes looking for a great warrior on Dagobah and he finds a Mm -hmm. little gremlin that laughs (laughs) at him constantly. And it turns out to be the Jedi he's looking for. It's it's so again, like the subversion of expectations from Ryan Johnson. I think there's a lot of issues with the execution. This Mm -hmm. is not one of them. Uh, to to for Poe to be expecting a battle hardened warrior, and seeing what appears to be a diplomat, is hard for him to understand. Right, and it's a good thing because again, as you said, it it helps him understand. You know, there there are things that need to follow the chain of command. Now again, Ryan Johnson making some of the decisions he did, I I do take issue with, but um. As a character, Holdo fits that well and does it correctly and ultimately shows what a leader should do by, I'm assuming everybody that's listening to this uh, has seen this movie. Uh, I would hope so. But um, ultimately sacrificing herself for the rest of the group. And and, and that is extremely impactful. Um, and it makes for an incredible scene. Mm-hmm. Also, the fact that the fact that you see Poe initiate this uh, mutiny 
what amounts to a mutiny kind of demonstrates that he has the qualities. Uh, he has people that admire him and respect him and will listen to him right. and, and be led by him. So he has all of these qualities, but it's not tempered by restraint and it's not tempered by uh, respect. And and that's something that I thought was very interesting. That it's almost like people used to say to me, and you've heard people say before, "If only you would use your powers for good." (laughs) You know, if only you would take these amazing skills that you have and this amazing uh, this amazing potential to be this leader and Mm -hmm. and actually do it, you would probably achieve so much more. Right. Um, So so yeah, that that was pretty meaningful to me and. And I do appreciate it. Um, so I want to get back, of course, to Octo and Luke and, and what happens there. Uh, mm-hmm. But but first, first I, I, I want to talk about this hyperdrive tracking and the solution right. that, that, they, that they find. First, I'm going to say this. I don't want to talk about Canto Bite. I don't because <laughs> it's a fucking, it's going to take a long time. Positive. Yeah, it's going to, well, no, it's going to take a long time and it's not necessary. Got it. uh, To talk about Canto Bite. Kind of like Canto Bite was not necessary um, to a Star Wars film in the middle of a trilogy. Now, you said that there were some issues that you wanted to address. So, well, it's take it away. It's not necessarily um, issues with the hyperdrive tracking itself. So, again, the, the solution is. We leave the ship and go to Canto Bight. I don't like that mm-hmm. because it, it kind of undermines the whole thing that they can track them. So like leaving would be a danger and how do you drop out of hyperspace and all this stuff. Instead, right. I feel like it should have been something more like uh, something they can do to temporarily suspend their tracking so they can get away for a little while, but then ultimately the First Order will find a way past that. Uh, again, to go back to Star Trek, uh, you know how the Borg can adapt to energy signatures of phasers? Right. Uh, and I'm glad you. I can say that, and you're just like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I, I hope everybody else does too. Um, that should have been the solution, where they, they get something that ultimately has diminishing returns, and so the, the clock is not them getting to Canto Bite and back. The clock is we're running out of signatures let's call it that they um that will block the first order's track right Uh, so something like that would have made things a little more intense while you stay on the ship and you don't go to canto bite sure and and i think that and i said i wasn't going to talk about canto bite but it's it's just a device it it moves the story forward it's a way to get the characters Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, from point A to point B so that they can accomplish what they need to accomplish by point C. Um, I, I totally get that. But it, it also introduces a new concept to the film, and that is the concept that there is no good guy or bad guy. Uh, we meet DJ, who Benicio Del Toro is DJ, is just fucking awesome. I love <laughs> Benicio Del Toro first and foremost. Uh, like Laura Dern, fucking love Benicio del Toro. Um, so put him in the movie, and I'm going to watch it. Now, having said that, it was totally unnecessary because you're now there are too many concepts floating around. Now there are too many pieces in this movie um, when we need to be focusing on 
saving the what's left of the first or excuse me of the resistance and ray accomplishing what she needs to accomplish on octo like yeah that it just mm, no we did not need canto bite and the fathers and all that like it was cool don't get me wrong but at a time to a movie where i had to hold my urine and because i didn't want to miss anything and it ultimately gave us nothing in return except for cool looking characters and background aliens and things like that like that's it it didn't do anything else i'm sorry um so yeah um uh canto bite anyway mm-hmm. back to uh back to the ship um or rather i should say back to octo what we have is a situation where uh luke is giving ray three lessons um but in the process of of receiving these lessons and and then luke actually making his mind up that not only is he going to give her these lessons but he's going to come back with her uh to to leia um all hell breaks loose when he sees that that ray and kylo are about to touch now or they do touch actually right so it is important to mention that before this we have a very similar scene. Uh, we have a very similar cave scene to the scene in Empire, which, as you mentioned previously, there are some similar beats. And it, it and it, you know, it is like poetry. It does rhyme. Um, there are some similar beats and some similar things happen. And in this case, uh, Ray is pulled to a darkness. Now, in this darkness, she's also given this uh, this image of herself um, in mirrors going on to infinity where mm-hmm. it's only ray and the vaguest notion or concept of of people coming towards her and ultimately what she gets is that you know there there is no answer to to where she comes from or who she is like it's all ray um which i think is it, you have to kind of um that's there for you to interpret you know mm-hmm. it's not spelled out for you I, that's how i interpret it that uh, that maybe her parents are nobody, and that you know the only thing that exists right now is is Ray, and you know why not? Right, I, I do so. think that they they could have done that a little better. I agree wholeheartedly that that's that's the context, that's that's the intention behind it. To outright say, "Oh, your parents were nobody," that kind of like hurt some fanboys a little bit, I think. Um, but to instead say, hey, look, the only person you see is you. It's almost as if the only person that matters uh, when it comes to the impact on your life is you. and I Or your impact on the world. Right. And so, yes, I think that was the intention. I do think that it didn't quite hit home. Uh, right. But I, I agree. And I, and I think that's a very important thing to say. You know, we talked about creativity earlier. Same thing is true here. It's all you, homie. Uh, yeah, the power to control the universe is in which finger? I picked my own finger. Uh, uh-huh. right. <laughs> also, if you haven't seen Willow, you need to do that right now. Turn this yeah, off. Yeah. Sorry, part. Turn this off. No, it's go watch. Yeah, Willow. you should. Uh, I, you should. Talk, I mean, that's what I would do. I know you've got Disney Plus. Whoever's <laughs> listening to this, because we're talking about Star Wars, so go watch Willow. It's on there. Yeah, I mean, George Lucas did say that Willow took place in the Star Wars universe, so... There you go. You know. Just no ships. <laughs> it must be canon. Um, so, well, I don't know if that was before the great Disney acquisition or... Well, I mean, obviously yeah. it was before, yeah. but I don't know. It's really because he couldn't get the rights to the I think he was Hobbit just trying to... And he just made it 
I think that he was trying to get people to buy Willow. That's that's what I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I I thought it was cool, and I mean, I could definitely see how that would have been unclear. Maybe um, I I don't want to ever assume that the majority of people watching Star Wars aren't bright. Um, but I'm also going back to our conversation about Twitter. I'm starting to maybe think that a lot of them aren't. I was, I was going to say, so it, this is a prickly subject because we're, yeah. we're going to say that people aren't smart and then you're going to look inward and be like, I can't believe he said I'm not smart. That's not necessarily what we mean. I mean, maybe we do. I don't know. But um, I, I always go back. If to, you feel like maybe it's you, <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe it's you. I always go back to George <laughs> Carlin and the wise words that he imparted onto the people before he left. Lay it on me. Uh, and that is, think of the person that you know with the most average intelligence that you can think of. And understand that by your definition of average, half the population is going to be less intelligent than that person. Yeah, and that is mind-blowing. And I'm, But often I am like, that's me. Uh, poo. <laughs> get, get rid of your imposter syndrome. Yeah, I know. Well, I... I don't want to get into that on sure. it. I'm not very bright when it comes to quick decision making um, oh, or using okay. logic quickly. That's starting to like really kind of wear on me, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so back to to Ray and Kylo. I keep wanting to call him Ben, but he's definitely Kylo at this mm. point. Um, you know, Luke sees that and he's like, absolutely not. No go. The HUD explodes and he tells Ray to get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Um, but Which, here by the we way, have best. To me, best shot in that movie is when Luke explodes the hut. I can't get enough. That was awesome. Um, So what we have is a situation where we get two sides to one story. Um, And and this was something that we were building to. And I know that I said we're talking about this movie and that we're being positive. Um, But and I do want to be positive about it. That This is something that I fundamentally disagree with about Luke. Hmm. Um. And that is, you know, according to Kylo, Luke was fucking like all jacked up and ready to just like strike him down in his bed. And uh, that's what spurred his leaving. Now, according to Luke, yes, he did go in his sleeping quarters to kill him. Yes, he did ignite his saber. But then he realized that he fucked up bad. But it was too late. Um, It doesn't really give you the film does not really give you a clear answer as to which was which or if it's like a blend of both, but I tend to believe Luke because I don't think he would lie. And I think that that is real enough that, uh, that that could very well be like, that's what would have happened. You know, that's how mistakes get made is when you, when the worst mistakes in life I've found are the ones that you realize you shouldn't make. Um, and even though you've stopped yourself, the wheels are already in motion and the damage is done. Those are the worst mistakes. Those are soul destroying mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happened here. So I tend to believe Luke's version of events, um, because that's just, it's the worst. Um, right. And I, I thought that that was the truth. I, I had no doubt in my mind that that was the, the, the true telling of the tales from Luke. Yeah, and it very well may be. Uh, you know, but there's definitely some question in, in Ray's mind. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, you know, did you try to murder that boy in his sleep? <laughs> uh, I mean, I was gonna, but, and then I wasn't gonna. 
Right. And and that's it's what you do last that counts. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, that's interesting to me. But the thing is, I I, I just don't think that Luke Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. uh and it's not because of the person that I think he is or who I imagine him to be. I just don't think he would do it based on how important it was to save his father. Um, right. When he was a bad, bad guy, but he had a speck of light in him. And he was willing to risk everything. Um, but then you got this little dude who is mostly good, but he's got a darkness growing in him. And Luke's like, mm, maybe I should kill him. <laughs> You know, I just, sorry, I don't see that. Um, I just, I don't. And I, I, again, I respect Ryan Johnson because he has, he has doubled down on how he feels about it and the story that he made. Um, and he's been very polite and respectful about his disagreements, which again, I admire. Um, but that, it affects me so deeply that it is a hurdle to to appreciating The Last Jedi more. Mm-hmm. And I think that I just have to learn to cope with that, you know, um, because it's not going to change. The film is not going to change. It's what we have. And I just have to uh, I just have to accept that that was a creative decision that was made, mm-hmm. um, which, by the way, Anyone listening to this who has not yet made that decision, I strongly suggest you grow the fuck up and do it. Um, <laughs> because they are not remaking the sequel trilogy, y'all. They're not doing it. It yeah. is not going to happen. It's It's been done. The die is cast in other cliches. But it's it's correct. It's, it's done. It happened. Yeah. Now, here's the cool thing, though, about film and stories. At this point, and this is one of the reasons why I can say I love the prequel era... Because I think those movies are dog shit. Mm-hmm. But there are so many cool characters and so many cool storylines. Um, like, again, I've said before, if you give me those films on paper, fucking badass. I just don't want to sit through <laughs> the movies because George Lucas made horrible fucking movies. Um, sure. On paper, it's great. But everything that like came out of that, and like the 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 world that it created and the sandbox that it created, it left so many doors open for other creators to come in and, and do things with. And and like the Clone Wars is the best example. Um, you know, the stuff that Dave Filoni did, oh my fucking god, it is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's how you can love the prequel era. That's how you can love the prequel characters and not love the prequel movies. It is possible, y'all, to have nuanced taste. Oh, my God. Um, just putting it out there. Uh, hey, by the way, real quick, I, I got to let you in on a little secret. Um, sure. Not a lot of people know this, but do you want to know what my favorite of the prequel movies is? Sure. The Phantom Menace. Yeah, because it is the one that feels like a Star Wars movie. It, it, all okay. the aesthetics of it, and you know, again, it's not a great movie. Um, in fact, the other two are probably better made movies. Well, yeah, it was the third one. Well, was, yeah. but uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I get you. I mean, it's got it's it's got the planets it's got ships it's got a dogfight. it has the pod racing which is very star wars oh man the pod um, racing that was cool 
that was really cool. It went on a little too long. Hell yeah. But it was cool. Uh, yeah. And then they uh, uh, didn't do that later. Um, <laughs> in the, they, they should have mirrored that scene with the fight against the droid uh, control ship. The all we got making that connection was Jake Lloyd and God bless Jake Lloyd. I'm so sorry. Um, uh, but all we got was him saying, now this is pod racing. You should have had him doing things and having shots that were the same things he was doing in his pod racer. So he knows how to fly a ship and that, oh, mm-hmm. sorry. I know we're talking about the last Jedi and we're being positive. No, I, I know. So, I feel you. Yeah. So getting a little sidetracked, really but yeah. But no, that's, that's my favorite <laughs> of the prequels because it, it felt like a Star Wars movie. And I got to admit. Sure. The Last Jedi, it feels more like a Star Wars movie than the other two prequels to me, to be perfectly honest. Really? Yeah. Um, okay. Even, or the other two prequels or the other two sequel tri- uh, sequel films? No, the, the other two prequel movies. So, oh, that's, so that's how little uh, those Attack seem of the Clones like, and Revenge of the Sith. Oh, wow. Right. Okay. That's how little they seem like Star Wars to me. Um, gotcha. But yeah, so no, I, I'm, I'm with you there. Please continue. Well, uh, there's not, I mean, there's not much more, honestly, that I want to say about The Last Jedi. I, I want to talk about the end. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and it's so funny because, like, I'm looking at my notes here, and there's a lot that we didn't cover, and clearly we didn't go through this movie, like, in a linear fashion. Sure. Um, but I'm looking at my notes, and it's just, like, ellipses, <laughs> and then Poe does a mutiny. Ellipses, <laughs> and then Poe gets spanked. <laughs> 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 and... And it just made me chuckle because I remember actually, I actually remember writing that and what was going on. I was pretty amused I, by Poe. I've and, got, uh, uh, I've got a note with the same energy. If you want to hear it, uh, and that sure. that is bombers in space? Question mark? Question mark? Question mark? Uh, oh well, yeah. You know, again, we don't want to get into the mechanics <laughs> of things because it's just, you know, I mean, it it does rob you of some joy and it does take the fun out of some of it. Right. Um, but yeah, let's not and I, let's not do bombers in space, but then be worried about fuel. Well, um, uh, I did. I did want to say, you know, I think that what you just said is, is not the bombers in space thing, the the robbing you of joy thing, because I think that's that's kind of the point of this and why it's okay that we didn't talk about the movie in a linear fashion. Is our point is just being upset about things will rob you of joy. Uh, yeah, that's very true. If you don't like that's something, very true. that's valid and that's fine, but find things about things that you like uh the more you, whatever you focus on whatever you magnify that's what you're going to see so mm-hmm. yeah no absolutely i might use that quote actually um on the image for this podcast go for it <laughs> being upset will rob you of joy will rob you of joy um, choosing to be upset right um okay so now i will say in my mind that the end of this movie is aces um, I don't think that uh, I don't think it could have been much better. I mean, there's there's Rose like potentially trying to or potentially killing Finn to save him. You can't um, see me. I'm, I'm grimacing. That is still confusing to me. Um, but I mean, I guess like if you're like five, that might be 
emotionally impactful and you're like oh it's we're, we're we win by saving what we love yeah i get that um, but like, you almost killed well him. maybe maybe don't kill him <laughs> and that's, I, I say in that god case. bless jake lloyd god bless her as well because i'm so sorry that she had to take heat for that she's yeah well that's that's not her fault she's just that's an not actor her fault she's getting paid blame mm-hmm. if you didn't like that that's wrong ryan johnson don't blame her yeah, which is another fucking thing. You know, we'll just use The Last Jedi as a platform to just... I, I don't even know what to say. Y'all, it, it's a fucking movie, and these are actors. They, they get paid <laughs> to they get paid to do what the director tells them to do and, and the producers and what's on the script. And, and fucking hating on these people and like driving them to the point of suicide yeah. because the directors and the producers made dog shit choices. Man, that's fucked up. Like that is that is fucked up on a level that I can't I can, I just can't comprehend it because I don't do it I can't get my head around it mm-hmm. like that you would give these people such a hard time and call them names and like I mean God forbid you ever found out like where they lived or something mm-hmm. like that I'm sure you know uh, uh, Jesus what the fuck man <laughs> just stop that shit yeah. like everything would be so much better if you just didn't do that. To, to quote uh, uh, a nerd on Robot Chicken when they did their Armageddon thing and a meteor was going to crash into Earth, Mark Hamill steps up and he says, I did destroy the Death Star with my eyes closed. And a random nerd tells him, that was just a movie, dude. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's... I, and, and it is. You can't, there, you can't you, hinge... Your anger. If you want to be angry about something, go go affect change in a way. Use that. Use your anger. Right. In a constructive way. In a way. constructive way. You can preface that with don't go fucking shitting in the, in the nation's capital. Literally shitting in the nation's capital. Yes. That's not what we mean. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. It's, 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 yeah. It, make something. Find something that. Oh, oh. Did you just say make something? That changes the whole game. Uh, but yes, go make yeah. something. Some of the best art has come from negative feelings like anger and sadness. Right. But also yeah, drugs. Just don't, don't tear other people apart. Yeah, also lots of drugs. <laughs> A whole lot of drugs. Um, but yeah, don't tear people apart, man. Because that's just, it's not cool. You're an asshole. You're the asshole. Like you have no right to talk about uh, hating a movie or how shitty a movie is if you're that shitty a human being like why are you even watching movies anyway like just go fuck off uh just just cease to exist or change your ways those are your options <laughs> um, preferably the latter <laughs> good luck with that but but yeah uh the end is just incredible to me um and i know we kind of went around the world mm-hmm. uh with with that but just the per- the idea that luke didn't actually leave octo and yet yeah. he decided to show up using what one can only imagine. And this was set up in previously in the film when, when there's the first force time and and uh, or foreshadowed us. It's say, should say when when Kylo says, "No, you're not doing this. It would kill you." Um, so that is set up, which I think is very cool and very important that 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 did happen. Um, and he's projected to uh, uh, he's projected to crate, which again, uh, Salt Basin in Bolivia, I think, is where they shot that, and it was just an amazing, 
um, amazing scene uh, and just beautiful all the way around. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, the way that he projects himself there and he does, he does fulfill his intention to go back with Ray. He does inspire hope uh, among those that are present because they all think that he's there and that Luke Skywalker is going to confront the first order with his laser sword. <laughs> and, you know, so that, that is so cool, man. And just the fact that, and we don't know, you know, the first time you watch this, you don't know that that's what's happening. Uh, I mean, you think, well, he's cleaned up a little bit. And I also wonder if maybe he dyed his beard. He dyed his hair. Uh, before, yeah. <laughs> so, but it's like, so that's weird. Um, but just the fact that he shows up that way, the way that he looked when Ben Solo left the Jedi Temple, uh, and, and putting Kylo Ren back in that mind space is fucking, it's psychological warfare to the max. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's incredible. And, and just the way that he is able to defeat Kylo without the use of force or, or, or literal force or without using his lightsaber, despite the fact that he had drawn it, is complete and total... Uh, I, I think that it's completely uh, demonstrative of a master, mm. of, of a Jedi master. Um, you wouldn't even need to defend yourself physically because there's just no one that can touch you. Um, I think that that's amazing. And he did that to give the Resistance time to recoup and escape, which I think is just amazing because Kylo fell for it. He took... He took it, the bait, and I, I think that it's just it, it's incredible that that was how Luke chose to use his last moments mm-hmm. uh, in existence. Um, I, I think that that was very powerful. So again, Ryan Johnson, he he took a major swing, and uh, I, I'm not going to say that he cracked a home run for me, but <laughs> I mean, um, well, it, it it may have been a home run, but he didn't knock it out of the park. Um, I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, the, yeah, the, you know, he, he made it back home. He started home, made it home and, uh, everybody was happy and, uh, all was happy end. but, but no, um, the way, the way that that film ended, I think was amazing. Um, the way that, uh, Ray was able to return. And if I, if I know, or, um, rather if I recall correctly, it's the first time that she met Poe. Um, and again, Luke was told that, uh, uh, or Luke told her that the force was not about moving rocks and yeah, ultimately, rocks. Uh, moving rocks was very important <laughs> to the escape of the, what was left of the resistance. I, I, I think that, that the way the film ended, it all came together very well. Um, and, and that's all I have to say about that. I think the ending was beautiful. I think it was amazing. I, I agree. Again, there's, there's some issues i take with it like the practical effect of luke blowing apart the hut versus the obviously cg rocks that ray is moving they couldn't just put some tire from rocks on trees on strings whatever the concepts presented in the ending except for rose um i agree excellent um because that that i think is is what we needed to see about the force was Mm -hmm. One, it is sometimes just about moving rocks. Uh, and two, that 
not fighting Kylo Ren, you know, just dodging constantly. Even mm-hmm. even if Luke were there, and that's what he really did was just dodge those moves. That's what it's about. It's not about pushing against everything. It's about letting things mm-hmm. flow, and that's the point of the Force. And I, I think that what you and I talked about in our predictions. Ultimately, that was the message, but again, I think it got muddied a little bit through through the right. whole. Right, I think it. Yeah, it, it was the message, but they didn't take the avenue that we predicted. Right. Um, um, which you know, I I don't really care either way, but I I do think that it's interesting that 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 was essentially what was said. But I agree. I I really like the ending. I I. Don't know if it was perfect necessarily, especially because hinging on like the the dice, which I had no idea what that mm-hmm. was when I watched that movie. I'm not going to lie. Apparently they were in the Millennium Falcon in the original movie and they were dangling from yeah. something. Yeah, they were. Yeah. If you, I mean, if you go back and you watch uh, A New Hope, um, they're definitely present. I mean, how detailed they were back in 77, I don't know. But Oh, right. Um, when you're, when you're yeah. watching that that. 480i on the on your yeah there's there is something hanging there um there is definitely because i always thought when i was a kid and i was watching the movies i always thought it was like a a a light switch mm. pull chain (laughs) so i i unless i'm like uh suffering like some severe uh misremembrance of of this which which does happen what is what is that the the mandela effect Mm. i think yeah they call that um so that could be but anyway um so yeah the last jedi is is far from a perfect movie in my mind um i think it is a great movie though uh i think it's a very enjoyable film in a lot of ways um i just have i just have trouble with it as a star wars film and that's really that's my that's like my main point of contention and my only complaint is that I, I have a difficult time um, acknowledging it as Star Wars, hmm. um, especially considering like the, what I found to be the strength of The Force Awakens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, and, and that's, one, that's totally valid. And two, I'm glad that you can still find good things within The Last Jedi. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. But ultimately, I'm in the same boat. Uh, it's a situation yeah, where I, yeah. it's good. But as a Star Wars movie, especially following The Force Awakens, I loved The Force Awakens. I'm not going to lie. And people yeah, people too. are all like, ah, well, it was the same movie as A New Hope. I don't care. No, it wasn't. But it wasn't. <laughs> and I don't care if you think it is. I loved it. It, it was almost yeah. exactly what I wanted from a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and, and yeah, so... Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to backtrack into the Force Awakens, but yeah, I. It, it does remind me though, and I think this bears mentioning in regard to the Last Jedi. Number one, I'll never say the Last Jedi sucked. Uh, that is something that you will not hear me say. Um, but what I want to say is that regarding the Force Awakens, I found that a lot of people didn't really have their own opinions about that movie. Hmm. I heard. I heard a lot of the same things being said by multiple people in like the same exact way. So usually when that happens, I'm like, mm, do you really think that? Or did somebody say it to you? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and you're just too fucking lazy to develop your own, your own opinion. Like what's 
closer to the truth here. I think if you went back and watched it without preconceived notions or, you know, like dwelling on what somebody you thought was cool or smart said, you might find that your opinion on it is your own and it might be different. Um, I think Oscar Wilde said that. Um, oh, yeah. Not that exactly. Something about. It was probably far more eloquent. Thoughts. Their thoughts are someone else's opinions, their passions and quotations, something like that. Yeah. And, and yeah, I'm guilty of it. I'm, I'm not going to say I'm not, but, but I, I do try to keep it in mind. Um, it's like that Key and Peele skit with the, you know, <laughs> like, uh, uh, Keegan was like, uh, talking about the dark night. He was like, eh, it's not, I don't like it, you know? And then he goes like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen that one? I don't know that one. No. Oh, I'm going to have to send it to you. Cause it's basically like, you know he says okay and he's like what what did what's wrong with what i said and like he he just breaks it down to like no no you can't just say okay (laughs) you know it's like i have this opinion and it's an informed opinion and this is why i think it and it basically came down to just you know like this guy berating him over it's like what what is your actual opinion on something anything what nope look at me what is your opinion And it's it's really good. I'll have to, yeah, to find it, it and way. send it to you. But yeah, I, I feel that way about uh, about a lot of fandoms, but Star Wars in in general, um, where I just I feel like there's not a lot of honesty. There's just a lot of retweets and not a lot of thinking for yourself. Imagine that. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that's uh, there. There is so much more that I want to say about the Last Jedi, and I really desperately want to do a scene by scene breakdown. But um, unfortunately. We are out of time, and maybe that's something that can be done later, but I think that, just to sum up, I think that The Last Jedi is so, and I I hesitate to use the term controversial, but there's so much going on in The Last Jedi in terms of um, the, the quality of the film, but also people's attitudes towards it, and where it stands, given that The Force Awakens had come before it, and we had not yet gotten a third movie. Um... You know, so now things, uh, you know, obviously perspectives have changed a little bit. And now that we have um, more clarity and and uh, more to compare it to, I guess, or more to contrast it against alternatively, um, perspectives have changed and opinions have changed. But, but on the whole, I think it's just it's too wide a subject to really fit into one podcast um, mm. without... Uh, you know, without intentionally breaking things down scene by scene. But I think we did a pretty good job. I think we took a good stab at it. And and while we didn't talk about the film exclusively, I think that a lot of the points that we discussed um, really kind of supplement my attitudes towards the movie. And, and they may actually uh, convey my attitudes and opinions of the film better than than just talking about the, the film itself. Indeed. I agree. Uh, almost as if the last Jedi itself set out to do a certain thing. And ultimately the message was present and accounted for, but you know, not exactly what we set out to do. And that's art. Hey, Zing. <laughs> that's good. That's cue, good art. Cue the music, anyway. uh, whatever it might be. We might revisit some of these films later in a different format. Uh, yeah. it's, you know, a podcast, but you know, an episode where we do, we do things, um, a little differently or, or break scenes down. But, uh, but yeah, and I just want to say at the very, like before we sign off and before we go our separate ways this evening, William, I do just want to say, stop picking on people. Stop picking on actors, like for real. Mm. Um, I don't think I said at any point during the podcast that I I really like the character of Rose Tico. I really do. 
Um, I didn't like that line and I didn't like that scene, but I like the character. Uh, Kelly Marie Tran is awesome. And I'm thankful that she's a part of the Star Wars universe. And that's all I have to say about that. Indeed. Uh, again, Jake Lloyd, Ahmed Best, all of them, they, they don't deserve yeah. hate. Uh, blame George Lucas. Actually, if you want to go to the root of the problem, blame George Lucas. It's all him. Uh, well, that's we. That's another subject. That's another subject. Another conversation for another time. Thank the maker, but also at the same time, why did you do this to me? Right. Why'd y'all create Wano Bot? Oh, man. Uh, you like wine? <laughs> I like wine too. Uh, oh lord! No, so yeah, that's that's pretty much life too. Is you know George Lucas made some good stuff and not so good stuff. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, what life that is brings. What it you. is, man. <laughs> Sorry, man. All right, William, uh, we're gonna pack it in. But thank you for doing this, and uh, I hope that you guys enjoy your your un Super Bowl party. Hey, thanks. I hope you guys get to do something exciting as well. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon. Love you, bud. Love you too. Damn, that's another Star Wars episode bagged, tagged, and ready for release back into the wild. Or into the wild, as it were. Thanks again to my dear brother Will for joining me on the show. Hopefully it was a decent representation of how opinions on a certain film may not be shared mutually though a positive, satisfying discourse can still be held. I'd like to hope also that y'all found uh, this particular conversation satisfying as well. If y'all like what you hear, please do rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts or throw a review down in whatever manner your listening app of choice allows. Don't forget you can reach me on Instagram and Twitter at SGCardsAndToys as well as on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash sg cards and toys finally look for me on patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash the sleeping giant podcast if you'd like to support the show that is web space and storage ain't free so every little bit helps and i do thank you sincerely uh any contribution whatsoever gets you a personalized thank you on the show as well as uh, any message or promo you'd like to get out there for one of your own projects, I'll uh, be glad to read that on the show as well. All right, then. Once more, I've been your host, Grayson Parker Marcotte. Thank you for listening to the Sleeping Giant Podcast. Until next time, y'all. <laughs>